All right, everybody. How's it? How's it going? How you doing? You you feeling good? You you ready? You your your brain ready to to bring all this information in? I hope. Uh, I'm I'm Steve Taylor. I am the host of MSP webinars. I am joined today by Steve Weber with uh, Sophos. He is like uh, the the most amazing engineer extraordinaire. You got to do the hand thing too when you say that. Uh, when talking about when talking about Steve Weber, and and Steve, we actually had a chance to meet on Tuesday. Uh, Sophos had an event in Cleveland, and that was a really fantastic event. I I got to learn some things, even though I've got both of those certifications that you guys dished out. Um, I I learned some really cool things, including that I think it's managed threat response stuff that you guys are starting to talk about yeah, we absolutely we the managed you... represents our managed threat response is our brand new uh service that's going to be coming out to uh partners here in september and then manage service providers here later this year that's fantastic man so maybe maybe we'll have to talk about that here in a couple months we'll, absolutely we'll... let us know we'll get those guys on all right so i want to i want to kind of just dive right in um because we we have so much to go over so here here's the deal um we we have already kind of set up the sophos xg 125 just enough that it has internet it has a, a public ip my my modems in bridge mode um and we have like basically what it uh, like an any any firewall policy we haven't set up any of the utm stuff we haven't set it up in uh, central dashboard. None of that's done. We just have it so that way uh, you guys don't have to watch me scratch my head and go, why Why isn't the internet working? Actually, you wouldn't be able to watch that because I wouldn't have an internet connection. So um, Steve, I, I think I, I ran into a couple of issues when we did that. Um, the, the biggest issue that I ran into was user error. I plugged the wrong ethernet cable into it. And I also used the wrong ethernet port. So these XGs, even though they have like eight or nine ports on them, they're actually kind of labeled. And even though it has multiple ports that could all be connected to, we'll call it LAN one, it's not a true switch. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, our firewalls are just that. They are firewalls uh, in the traditional sense. Uh, every single port on there uh, is its own separate firewall interface. Now, on the 100 desktop series uh, firewalls, what we do is we bridge those ports together. Uh, so essentially, you know, that bridge will bring all those together under one network, but it is actually a true bridge. So bridge is bringing two like networks together. So we have a 192.168.1 on one side and 192.168.1 on the other side that are simply bridged together via the firewall. So it is not a, a true switch. You know, it's not keeping track of the MAC addresses of you know, every single thing going across there and you know, bring it out to the switch fabric and then dragging it across to the correct place that it's supposed to go to. So with it on the bridge there, you know, it is gonna be a little less performant than you would have on a normal switch. I guess a normal setup for me would be you have your firewall, you plug it into Ethernet one, and then you have your switch behind it. Got it. Okay. Um, so I think the the first thing that 
makes sense to happen is for, um, oh, and I see someone said, but you cannot create a VLAN on BR0. And my understanding that this will change in version 18, correct? Uh, version 18 is not out yet. So I do have a copy of it, but I have not tested putting VLANs onto any bridged interfaces. So I do not have the answer for that. Got it. And, and BR0 is bridge zero? So when you create a bridge, uh, first thing it's going to do is create a bridged interface with, you know, interface one, two, three, you know, whatever the case, whichever ones you have in there on that bridge. So if you created multiple bridges, let's say we did one and three together and then four and five together, you'd have bridge zero and bridge one. Okay. And uh, I don't call it bridge zero. I actually call it bro. I say, what up, bro? That's, I got jokes, guys. That works. It's going to get worse from here. I'm sorry. Uh, so, so in order to log into the XG, it, it does have the IP address, I believe it's 172.16.16.16, right out of the box. <clears throat> um, you got to go to port 4444, and that is HTTPS. And when you try going there, uh, depending on Chrome's mood, it's going to not actually take you there. It's going to say, danger, alert, this, this isn't a, an actual safe page. There's no certificate. What do you want to do? Let's let's just not go here. So you you gotta you gotta click the button and and actually go like advanced and go here anyway, and it, and it's a pain. And the uh, the default username and password I think are just admin admin. Correct. But I've already changed the password because that's the secure thing to do, right? Well, so during um, the initial setup wizard, you are going to be asked and presented. So. When you initially get into the box, uh, it's going to be admin, admin. And during the setup wizard, we're going to ask you to change that password. Yes. And, and then after I, after I got in, um, we, we found that the Sophos um, firmware that was on the XG was an older version. It was like 17.0 or 17.1. And I am now running 17.5.7, uh, maintenance release seven. So um, between like, I think it was two weeks ago when you and I set this thing up, Steve, and today I, I got a new modem from my internet company so that way it can be in bridge mode. Um, I, I switched my ASUS router to just be a, a dumb um, AP and it's also a switch. And then I, I connected the XG so that way it is connected to the modem and the ASUS is connected to it and that's it. So nothing else is connected to the Sophos XG. Um, so, so the first thing that we did uh, after we, we went through like that basic setup, Steve, was um, if I recall, we had to do something with like registering it to my account. So during the setup wizard, you're going to register the XG firewall. Uh, this is not going to register to your Sophos Central partner dashboard or to the central admin. Uh, we have uh, right off of id.sophos, there's going to be what's called a My Sophos account. If you're an MSP, I definitely recommend creating a brand new Sophos ID, typically to a distribution list. 
Uh, that way you can add multiple people to be able to get the approvals for these. And that way it goes under all one system. Easy to find your firewalls inside of there. This is simply for registration of the firewall. And then if you're doing monthly billing through us, it'll also have the name in there under the additional field. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to go through and show that or not, but that's all this is going to be used for. And I want to clarify that if you own the hardware, you should be putting it under like your own Sophos ID slash your distribution list ID, right? But if it's your client's hardware and they're buying it from you, best practice, the, the right thing to do is to set that up under their own Sophos ID. Um, Steve, you can still add that to your own central dashboard, even if it's somebody else's hardware. Correct. Um, you, you just you just want to make sure that they they have proper ownership of the equipment if you've sold it to them. So uh, as you saw, we were at id.sophos.com. I'm going to put that in the chat. If you don't use that URL today, you should. It makes it a lot easier for you to get to all of the like background stuff in Sophos. I see Michael has raised his hand. Uh, if you have a question or anything, feel free to pop it into the q and I can't promise that I'll be able to watch the chat very well uh, because, I mean, we've got like 112 people registered for this thing. Um, and, you know, you know how it goes. So many more people may show up and register at the last minute too. So the Q&A is the best place to have questions answered. Um, so in here at the Sophos licensing portal, that was, that was the My Sophos button that I pressed earlier. Um, it would be under network protection, right? right. So we just yep. click on that header there for network protection, I think. And then in here, we went to register device. We're gonna to go to a view devices where you wanna go. So we are gonna register the device on the device itself during the setup oh, process. Gotcha, uh, okay. And then from here, you can go into view device. Now, if you wanted to register it prior to, you could absolutely do that from here. Uh, easiest and best way is always to do it uh, on the XG firewall itself. And I, I, I assume there's no issue with them knowing my serial number. It doesn't do them any good, right? They don't have the hardware, so nope, doesn't do them any good. Uh, right there, though, where you see that edit button, that is where we put that name in there. Uh, and if you're on the MSP Flex program, this is the name. If you're doing our monthly billing, that is going to come across on your bill, just so that you can identify that serial number to this particular company when you're actually doing your billing. So definitely good to put that in there. And also one thing I want to add, if you are a partner of Sophos and, and you're actually going to be selling this stuff, don't, don't just sign up to be a partner so you get free stuff, okay? Because they'll figure it out and they'll stop giving you free stuff. But you become a partner, uh, I, I think you get half off on the hardware and then you get the license, the, the full-blown, I believe it's Full Guard Plus is what it's called. Correct. You get the highest tier of their of their firewall license to put on your own firewall in house. And you know, if you're a larger MSP and you have multiple locations, I'm I'm sure we could talk to you and and figure out how to get multiple licenses. Um, but the most important thing that I've learned is you got to eat your own dog food. Okay, so if, if you're going to be selling these Sophos devices to people, set up uh, your own in-house, spend some money, you know, get get the hardware, and uh, 
and start start setting this stuff up correctly, okay? And I think uh, once once this is done, that is what you and I get to do now, right? So one thing to cover on here real quick, and uh, if we go into contact information from here, so right above the view devices, uh, and this is kind of the only other reason you would ever want to have maybe different MySofos accounts for each and every uh, customer. So if you didn't want your name inside of the customer's firewall, so you can see this one's uh, Taylor IT Group. Uh, if we actually click over to your XG firewall now, Gotcha. And it's at the top right-hand side, it says Taylor IT Group. And on the far left-hand side under system, if we go under administration, just to cover all the licensing bases real quick, sure. licensing here is going to show you exactly who this firewall is registered to. And this is the MySophos account that it's registered to. So you can see it's registered to Steve at Taylor IT Group. It's got his company name in there, and he is the contact person uh, for that with all the subscriptions he's got on it. This is all tied to that MySophos account. That's really all MySophos does for us. It's the initial licensing of the device. Steve, what the heck? You guys didn't give me enhanced plus support? Uh, with MSP, you guys get that by default. And when you're a partner, you guys always have partner level support. So if you want to be a customer, then you come through and purchase that. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, so this is kind of what you see like when you log in normally to to an xg firewall you've you've already done some things it's already uh you know looking at traffic and and think guys this is what it's seeing without me actually configuring any of the utm stuff okay it already thinks i've got some attacks here miscellaneous it's it's already putting things into categories for for uh, the various apps and, and basically the, the bandwidth that I've, I've used so far. Um, I put this thing live at the head of the network this morning. So all of the information that you're seeing here is pretty much for the last, we'll say five hours. Okay. So not, not a lot, but you know, enough to at least get us started. Um, when, when we started setting this up, we had to go into firewall and set up a firewall rule, and it, or actually it was already set up. We just had to go in and make some changes, right? This default. Correct. So by default, policy. it will create up a it will create a brand new rule during the wizard. It's going to walk you through uh, some basic questions on there. Quite honestly, once you guys get used to this, you're probably just going to skip that and go right to creating your own rule for you. But this will be the default policy, which is a standard LAN to WAN. Okay. With any services open. Yeah, so you see LAN to any, WAN to any, services any, like this This puppy is wide open right now and that's probably not the best thing for you to do for your clients. At that point, just sell them a WRT54G and be done with it. So what, what we need to do is we need to actually set up uh, some, some policies here. And if it were me, I would actually be creating new firewall rules. So I'm not editing that default network policy. And Steve, do you have Firefox on you? Just because uh, I see you're running into the same Chrome issue that uh, we seem to be plagued with here lately. Chrome changed a bunch of things on there and they're not pulling our images, correct? Yeah, let me see what I can uh, what I can do here. You'll notice your buttons are not 100% uh, uh, loaded. Firefox crashed. 
or if you have IE, that should work as well. I know everybody the dreaded IE. You realize I'm on a Mac, right? <laughs> uh, well, Safari. Let's go Safari then. Let's go for a Safari. Uh, yep, we're going to do Safari. It's, everything's going to be great. Yeah, this was uh, something that Chrome introduced uh, probably about a month or so ago, and it's been annoying ever since. Seems annoying. Uh, someone asked, is that issue going to be fixed soon? Chrome is the most used browser, and we've seen this for quite some time. Yeah, uh, so it is something that you know the team is working on and trying to figure out, obviously, the new standards from Google. So uh, I don't know which version that they are planning on fixing this in, uh, hopefully relatively soon, because I'm just like you. I use Chrome day in and day out, so I would like it you know, as quick as possible as well. But yeah, it is definitely, it's a Chrome thing. You can load it up in any other browser, and it works just fine. Even Safari. Even Safari. <laughs> All right, and then uh, we've got IE. another question. Go there, even IE. Oh, uh, we've got another question. Yeah, this does look completely different on Safari. It looks nicer. Um, all right, so someone else asked, is there a scenario where you would not use the default default out allow all? Uh, I would say, so when you're first setting up a firewall, you would always want to basically make sure you had connectivity. So the default rule is absolutely fine. Uh, you've just got WAN access, uh, LAN access out to the WAN with any services. We're not trying to block anybody at this point. We're just trying to verify that the firewall you put in is in line, it's passing traffic, and all is good with the world. Once you have that verification so that you're not troubleshooting multiple things at a time, you could either delete this rule out of there or layer on top of it, which is what we're actually going to do here. Perfect. All right. So um, let's see, just moving my windows around so I can try and see everything. So what I'm gonna do is, I don't know, for me, best practice is to add a new firewall rule and never edit like the default stuff that's in a, in a system. And then uh, firewall, this is top down. So I would just move it to the top if I wanna, you know, start, start doing some fancy stuff uh, you know, web filtering, app filtering, AV, etc. So, uh, business application rules and user network rules. Now, Steve, you you said earlier that user network rule is outbound and business application is inbound. That's the quickest, easiest way to look at that. Yes. Yeah. So, your user. I feel like it would just be smarter if they would have put that from the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, that'll actually change the V18. There's actually uh, going to be one rule to do everything. Uh, so essentially, you've got your user slash network. And the reason it says user, and you normally don't see this on a firewall, and we'll walk through this, is at the network level, while we're deciding the source and destination of where this is going, we can actually match the user that is allowed to utilize that source to destination as well from that particular network rule. Typically on any other firewall, you wouldn't get to that level until we start talking web filtering, app filtering, uh, once the other services get brought in. So at this point, we're identifying not only the criteria for source and destination, but also your identity. Awesome. Um, 
Kevin, to answer your question, absolutely. Uh, this webinar is being streamed to YouTube. Uh, it will be on YouTube available for you and your techs or anyone else to watch anytime down the road. Uh, you can also go to mspwebinars.com and uh, you'll be able to see that uh, right from my website. So I hope that helps. All right, so I have uh, a fear that if I just do something all willy-nilly to the whole network, uh, my webinar could stop existing real quick. So what I'd like to do, Steve, is I've got a virtual machine here and I know the IP address of this VM. I think maybe, uh, maybe we should just set up some things on, on just that VM. We can do that, right? Absolutely. So definitely best, best practice since we're talking, you know, you're live with the webinar. We don't want to be actively messing with your current connection. So yeah, create a rule on there and we're going to basically have to ensure that that rule at that position is going to be on top. Uh, just as you said on there before, top down firewall rules. So if we put this below that current rule, it would never be hit. Now there is another thing underneath there. So you'll see that rule grouping. Right now, you've only got a couple of rules in there, so this really doesn't come into play. You can leave it on automatic, and it'll automatically start grouping things together. Or if you're ultra-organized and you want them in groups that make sense to you, let's say you want to group together inbound VPN access, you want to uh, group together mm -hmm. your inbound NAT translations and business rules, maybe even and group them together by different services, that's where you can start grouping those rules together. And that way, when we're looking at that rule list, we can break it down by those groups and see just what we're actually focused on. Awesome. So my assumption is that if I want to do, like I see, um, oh man, you've just got so much. I don't even know where to begin. I've got decision, I've got choice overload, Steve. So what, what feature can I play with and see results the quickest? So the interesting thing on the HD firewall, all the different features you're seeing on the side there, intrusion prevention, web application, uh, besides when we get down to wireless email and web server, those things. So those first three on there, intrusion, web, and application, all of those are just the places where we're going to go to add policies. Those policies actually get assigned inside of the actual firewall rule itself. So as you continue to scroll down, we get to your advanced features. And under those advanced features, we're going to see intrusion prevention. We're going to see your web policies. We're going to see your app policies on there for your application control. Each one of those we can actually build right from here. So we don't actually have to leave this firewall rule in order to start with intrusion prevention, to start our traffic shaping, to start our web control. We do that all right from this rule here. Later on, if we want to add exclusions, we want to add exemptions, we just want to modify that one rule that's when you're going to click on the left-hand side there for the intrusion prevention web or app. Perfect. So, um, so, so first of all, I, I want to make sure I've got it locked down to just this one device. So is this a source or a destination? So right here is going to be your source zone. So this is where the traffic is going to be coming from. Okay. So then I want to, I want to do this for, oh, it doesn't have it. So I would have to create new IP. Yep. So right from here, without going anywhere, we can create a new host object. And I'm going to just give it the name of the computer name for making it easier on me. And I don't need a group. I don't no host group needed at this point. Okay. 
So there we go. Now I've got uh, now I've got that device in here, and I could we could even schedule this. That's cool. So so I could say uh, no Facebook unless you're on lunch, and we could we could theoretically have a schedule that's like from midnight to eleven, and then from twelve to midnight, right? So this part here. Um we would do this for the entire firewall rule. Now, inside of web filtering, we can get specific as far as time, as far as, you know, as far as Facebook is allowed. We only want to allow that during lunch. This is actually the entire firewall rule. So the best use case scenario for this is, let's say you have a guest wireless network and it's attached to the firewall. You have everything running through here. And after hours, we don't want to allow people onto that guest network. They don't need to be using your network after six o'clock. Everybody's out of here. You can actually set that firewall rule to a time of day and say from you know, eight in the morning till 6 p.m. This firewall rule is allowed. They can access that uh, traffic. After that, this rule has actually expired. And unless they hit any other rule in the system that would take them out to the Internet, they are no longer allowed. They are blocked at that point in time. So it essentially is an on off switch for the firewall rule itself. Again, yeah. once you get web filtering, then we'll see where you can actually go in and say, all right, we want Facebook, we want social networking, we want it during this time of day, but we don't want to allow it at another time of day. Okay. So uh, on on this computer that is in question, um, I'm actually restarting it now because I just installed the Sophos. I think I installed Intercept X Advanced with EDR. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> so um in theory i want to i want to scan you know web stuff i want to scan for malware and stuff so, so I wanna let's scan not TV. jump too far ahead let's make sure we get oh. our destination in there as well oh, so I just, at this point, I just thought my destination was was done it was any everywhere yep so we need to pick our uh, zone on there as well uh where we want this traffic going to so this is going to be your zone uh you are probably going to want to use an any for your destination and then on the services so you know, destination zone, you want to do WAN. So scroll down a little bit for me. This is actually going to be, let's uh, take that any out of there for a moment and just hit, uh, actually, you can just go ahead and hit the minus sign on WAN and scroll down just a little. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep, just scroll the whole page down a little bit more so we can see the advanced section there. All right, all we want to do is see the top of the advanced section and we want to see the destination rule on here. So you'll notice in here that your network and routing, your rewrite uh, source address is not checked. And don't go ahead and check that. Go ahead and select the WAN and hit apply. Okay. You'll notice that it now check automatically it. checked that box because the firewall knows that we are going from a internal network out to the internet and we are going to have to translate that. We're gonna to have to add masquerading rule on there. And the current address that we are gonna be using is your external IP address there. Gotcha. If okay. you were to do this from land to land, to land or land to any, uh, it's not going to automatically pick that up on there. So you're going to want to pick your destination zone. Uh, it's a good idea to keep it to specific zones as well versus using any any on there. Uh, once you start using any any, then your firewall starts becoming more and more open. And we want to make sure we know exactly where that traffic's coming from and exactly where that traffic is going to. Okay. Now I've I've got to ask because I feel like this might be a dumb question, so I'm sorry. Um, if we're doing things like web malware and content scanning, wouldn't that technically be inbound? Here's where I get fuzzy because 
Because I know like me, the user, I am going out and requesting that content, but then the content has to come back in. So this That's is, any web filter you're going to do is always going to be outbound. It's going to be outbound where it's going to either transparently, uh, transparent proxy to get the web information, pull down the sites, and then hand it back to the end user on there, or clear the classification of that traffic for you to go out, grab that traffic, and bring it back in. But that initial source request is you making that request, you the end user. Uh, it's not the website making a request to send you information. It's only sending it to you based on a response. Got it, okay. So um, the identity match known users, this is helpful if, if they have to like authenticate to even get an internet connection, right? Correct. So this is going to be basically taking it to where we are knowing the source and the destination, where they're going, what services they're allowed to use. And we now want to not only say, you know, we're matching on that, but we also want to match on, we know who you are. The show captive portal is going to be useful, especially if you don't have any uh, authentication methods in your environment already, uh, being Active Directory, Radius, uh, inside your environment, anything that we can attach to to automatically identify you. If not, we're going to want to use Captive Portal. We're going to present you with a screen saying, who are you? And you are going to have to log in before you get access out to the internet. Now, how does that work with a device that maybe doesn't do a Captive? Like uh, an Amazon Fire Stick. So Fire Stick, uh, they don't support. Uh, Fire actually has a has a support, I believe, for Captive Portal. And most uh, items are, or most of those uh, little IoT devices are starting to get around to doing that. Uh, and the biggest pusher on that's hotels. You know, when people are traveling, sure. you got your little uh, Chromecast uh, with you, you got your Fire Stick with you, you plug it in. Uh, a lot of those places are starting to make it so you can get to their Captive Portal or at least understands to present you with the credentials on there. Uh, until those are fully supported, it is going to be your, your Windows devices, your Mac devices, your tablets, anything that can basically has a web browser on it, we can go ahead and present that Captive Portal to. And so if the device cannot view the captive portal, that device is screwed, right? That device will not be able to get out. So you would have to, as an administrator, go and create a another rule above this. We could clone this one and go in and say, this is going to be traffic coming from just like we're doing here, source LAN, that particular IoT device going out to the internet. We're not going to match the known user on that. Another option would be, and we can cover this in a bit, is we can actually go into uh, and create a clientless user. So we can go and identify the IP address that this is coming from. Of course, it would have to be either reserved or static and say, all right, every time you see somebody come from this IP address, we're going to sign it this username. That way the system automatically knows who they are. And it has to be by IP. We cannot do it by Mac? Uh, correct. As of this point, it is by IP address. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to do this because for me, this is, uh, I think you guys probably know by now, this is a home environment, okay? I have a home office. But, but the last thing I need is my wife angry at me at, you know, 10 o'clock at night because she can't watch her favorite show on the Xbox or whatever because something's not working. So I'm not going to do any of that right now. I'll, I'll get there eventually. We'll see. Um, uh, I'm just going to answer a few questions real quick um, and, and do some housekeeping. Uh, for those of you that came in late, welcome. Uh, I You've missed a little bit, but you can go back and watch this on YouTube later. It'll be available on the MSP webinars YouTube channel. Okay. Um, if, uh, if you have questions or anything, pop them into the Q and a section. I will go through and uh, answer those 
I, I will go through them all. I, I don't want to guarantee win, but I will go through them all. Um, Lonnie asked a question about IPS. We'll get to that in a little bit when I start talking IPS. Um, Kevin asked a question about uh, doing the rules, though. He said, in our cyber roams, we would create a virtual host for each device and TCP UDP ports we want to direct traffic to. The cyber roam would then create the WAN-LAN rule to go with that host. Is that something we can do in an XG or do we just create the rules? So what we're, you, what we're looking I at right now is like, actually, he's talking about inbound traffic. So what yeah, we're looking at we're, right now is outbound. We're going from most secure to least secure. Uh, we're going to be talking, you know, we'll set up another rule afterward, and that's going to be your inbound where that would actually be the case. We're actually going from the WAN to the LAN. Right now we're going from the LAN to the WAN. And we'll we'll poke around at some uh, we'll we'll poke around at some outbound, uh, inbound stuff uh, before we're done here too. Uh, does Sophos have a love hate relationship with DNS over HTTPS as much as I do? I'm gonna let you take that one, Steve. Um, DNS over HTTPS. I'm not really sure um, what the actual answer or uh, what we're looking for on that one. So. Um, DNS obviously is going over 53. Uh, we're not looking at it as far as, you know, anything HTTPS. I mean, if you are going and doing a, you know, some sort of secure DNS, then obviously we'll have to uh, exclude that. Uh, we do have a whole brand new engine that's going to be coming out for version 18, where we're actually going to be looking at a lot more than HTTP and HTTPS traffic coming across for uh, SSL inspection. So that at, at that point in time, yes, we'd probably look at that a lot more information with DNS. Quite honestly with DNS though, um, I would almost recommend point your DNS to the actual XG firewall. Uh, unless you guys are using uh, you know, open DNS or you know, your umbrella, something like that, uh, where you need to point to their DNS host, have the XG firewall you know, looked up that information. You're relying on it for everything else. It is your security device on there. Have it go and take that request. You can also do a routing request there if you've got Active Directory to send those requests that we don't know about, we can't answer, but we know that the inside guy in your network can and hand those over to your Active Directory. That way you can have those internal responses. But let the that way you don't have to have more ports going out to the internet that are needed. You know, in this case, I would probably say, you know, 80 and 443. Again, you know, we're going to have the uh, DNS answered by the actual XG firewall. No need for that to go out to the internet. Awesome. All right, so I'm I'm gonna now that we've got our source and our destination, now I can start locking some things down or or monitoring, testing, whatever we want to think of it as, right? So um, I would like to do web malware and content scanning. So logic dictates to me, I should scan HTTP. It automatically checked this block Google QUIC, quick UDP internet connections. Yep. So, yeah, most people haven't, um, unless you've been doing web filtering. So. Quick is, uh, if you're using Google Chrome, uh, Quick is a protocol on there, it's UDP. It doesn't use port 80 or 443. So if you have a web filter in line uh, and you're basically trying to figure out why users are able to get around your protections, what it's doing is it's looking up and pulling down that information from the Google Quick service on there. So it's bypassing port 80, it's bypassing your filter on 443. So what we're doing is we're seeing that connection coming in and we know we need to filter that traffic. So we're going ahead and just denying those Google Quick connections. That way it cannot make that. As soon as it gets a deny, it falls back on normal HTTP, HTTPS protocols. Got it. Okay. So that's a fun one. And, 
And the logic also tells me that I should be detecting these zero day threats with Sandstorm. And I have Sandstorm because I'm on Full Guard Plus. Correct. Right. Um, okay. And then decrypt and scan HTTPS. This so seems like a no brainer to me. It is going to be, uh, but what you are going to have to do prior, there are some things we have to prep prior to be able to do decrypt and scan. So mm. because we are going to be answering all those requests, we're going to be decrypting that traffic. We're going to analyze the data coming down from those websites and then re-encrypting that traffic before we hand it back to you. Basically, it's going to have us signing the website as Google or on behalf of Google or MSN or whatever website you happen to be going to that's going to break your browser almost instantly. It's going to see that, you know, it was so, it was signed by the Sophos firewall, not by Google. And therefore we should give you that nice little page like you get when you enter the firewall for the first time, basically saying this is self-signed. We don't trust this. Got it. So, so you deploy your I SSL certificate first. I found this here. Is, is this the right KB article, which properly explains to people how to do this HTTPS inspection stuff? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I'm gonna put the URL to this article, but honestly, all I did was I took this, decrypt and scan HTTPS, and then I added Sophos XG to my Google search, and it was like the second one down here, okay? But for those of you that are here live, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that into the chat. For those of you that are watching this later on, now you know exactly what to search for. So that way, if you are going to set that HTTPS stuff up, now you know the right way to do it. Cool? Cool. All right. Um, so I'm not going to do that right now because that's work and I don't like work. Uh, scan FTP for malware. I don't really do any FTP, but if I did, I should scan it. Let's do that. Okay. So, so now I'm doing web malware and content scanning. Now, if I were to save this, it's going to start, it's going to start doing that. I mean, it might take a few minutes or whatever, but it's going to start doing that, right? Right. So instantly we're going to start, uh, you know, going through the traffic that's coming from that particular machine. Now we haven't gone through and set any web policies at this point. So we're not going to be blocking based on, you know, particular content web page. It's going to be scanning the content, looking for uh, bad, you know, threats, malicious content inside of there and blocking that information out at this point. So we're not in web control. We are just scanning the content for you know, making sure that you know, good items are coming through. If you downloaded a file from there, Sandstorm gets it first. We detonate it in our environment before you actually get your hands on it as well. All right. So, so I've just opened up a couple of URLs and in theory, like, is that going to show up in a log somewhere now? So because if you go to your log viewer, yep. So top right hand side there, we have across the top, the how to guides. You've also got a, uh, a log viewer option. Oh boy. That popped up a nice big new window. Wonder, can I? Yeah, it'll open up in a new window. All right, so let me share this window. All right, so here's here's everything. And look, we even see it's it's denied some things. 
Yeah, so by default, it's looking at firewall rules. So basically, this is all of your firewall traffic, where things are coming from, where they're going to, was it allowed, what port did it originate on, what was it hitting in your network, did it apply to a particular firewall rule? Uh, so a lot of information here. You'll also have a drop-down box as well, where you can go in and start pulling different services. So we can come down into the content policy and then the web filtering policy. Not sure what we'll have in here at this point in time because it really hasn't had a whole lot through there. And we don't have our web filtering enabled yet on there. So as we start putting more and more data through here, this will actually start to fill up with that actual web content. Gotcha, okay. And then so, you can add um, filters on this as well. So we can come in and say, hey, let's add some filters in there. Okay. So, so I think uh, at this point I should probably, oh, I didn't even check this box, log firewall traffic. Yep, and you absolutely probably. want to make sure you're logging uh, the firewall traffic. Uh, one, just a couple of reasons, making sure we have, you know, that actual log of that traffic coming through in the actual firewall log. It's also going to be picked up for the cloud-based application. So on that main dashboard, when you're looking at it, it had that cloud-based applications where you can go in and identify what you've actually been using. And if we see somebody using Dropbox or anything else inside of the environment, you can now take action on that. Gotcha. And I'm just curious, like what, what I see in this web thing, because I've got ADD and I like to look around at everything. Um, so let's I mean, go ahead and hit the uh, minimize on the default policy there real quick. All the way to the left. So okay. you'll notice where it says in use, and we have a bunch of these uh, yellow exclamation points. Yep. None of these policies are currently in use because we have not set them on a policy and we don't attach them to a policy from here. Oh. So, so I literally, I this literally is quite literally everything gets done inside of the firewall rule. So if we keep it right there before we click into uh, this, and let's take a look at this little feature section right here you'll see yeah. that we have you know, AV enabled, we've got routing, we've got NAT translation, and we have logging enabled for this particular firewall rule. So without you jumping into it, you already know what's active on that particular rule. But, and, but, I, but I turned on web malware and content scanning, Steve. You're doing content scanning, yes, but we are not dictating where we want to allow that traffic to go to so we don't have any web policies. So you're, you're saying I needed to do this? So if we want to block information on there, then we would need to create a web policy. You can use one of our default uh, policies in there, or you can go ahead and right from here, create a brand new one on the fly. Let's, um, all right, so, so talk to me about explicit content. I, I understand that's probably uh, pornographic material. Correct, so yeah, um, not, not safe for work. Definitely uh, not safe for webinar. So, is this also going to block anything that's on like YouTube? Uh, it's not going to block things that are on YouTube. You'd have to get into the YouTube filters uh, for that, which are inside of the policy uh -huh. as well. Uh, typically the best thing to do, you know, most of these are just going to be a good starting point to give you an idea of, you know, what they look like, what's inside of them. A good thing to do is always to go through and create your own policy. You guys know in your environment, what you allow, what your customers want to allow. So, and you'll see creating a new policy on here is very, very easy. So create a name oh, for that policy. Um, we're going to give it a, a very professional name, Steve's policy. Yep. And then uh, you know, right so on the first section here, we're going to, so we don't have any rules in here yet, but this is where we would actually 
add the additional rules, but the default action. So just like a firewall, we got a default action here and the default action is to allow. So if you want your default action to block, so it, this is all up to you as a partner and you, your customer, do we want to allow by default and block above or do we want to block everything and allow above? So that's the first question you have to ask. So I need to allow everything by default, but I want to block the things that are bad. Okay, so, so in that this, case, you go default action is, as allow, yep. Okay. And then you'll uh, see the additional enforcements second. on here as well. I am so sorry, guys. All right, so, um, all right, so doo -doo 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 -doo. I could add a rule here. Yep, so who's it going to apply to, which we don't have any users in your environment or any Active Directory, okay. so we just want it to apply to anybody. And this is where it's gonna to default to allow uh, all traffic, so we can take that allow, allow all traffic out of there. Always uncheck your allow all traffic or delete it from there, yep. And then from here, hit the show only option there. Easy way to do this is break this down to either web category, user activity, file type, and that way you're looking for something specific on there. You can also do a search right at the top there if you're looking for social networking. Uh, porn will be, I think it's not an option. Yeah. Nope, that wasn't an option either. So let's go under instead of doing category under here, because categories are going to be ones we specified, hit your show only, and let's do all if you want to look uh, and do search. So view all activity. And I believe it's it's adult or explicit content, probably is listed as explicit content. So you will need to know the names on there, what we named our categories. You guys can go through and take a look at all the names on those. But it's not going to dive into you know an actual particular website. So that's typically why starting with a show the category is the best way to do it versus doing all the user activities. So nudity. There we go. Now, what what do you think? What do you think risky downloads is classified as? Uh, it should be anything that's coming from you. Know, uh, uh, kind of those file sharing type site. It's also should include anything uh, file executables. So it's not necessarily gonna be a category of a website, but it could also include the components on there. And again, you can dive in under web to find out what each one of those are actually defined as. Sexually explicit was the category. Yep. All right, so, so I feel like that's good. Well, we've got we've got two there. Um, so click off of that. And now we select an action for that, which is block, allow, or warn. We can now do the same thing for HTTPS. Now, does that technically work still, even though I'm not? You know what I mean? Yep. No. Nope, because I'm works. not decrypting so the HTTPS traffic. Yep, we're not decrypting it, but we still want to block any of the HTTPS traffic. And then you can add constraints on there. Those are going to be time constraints. So. If you blocked social networking uh, all day and then above there, we want to add another rule to say social networking allowed during lunch, we can add a time constraint to say that one is only allowed during this time. I like it. And then just make sure you turn your status on for that particular rule. And we now have a Steve's policy set up. No nudity. That's what we'll call it. And I think everything else there is good. So now I hit save. 
I almost hit add web policy because it was just right there for me. Um, all right, and then if I hit save on here, and then I were from my virtual machine here to attempt to go to... Uh, now you're playing with fire. You really want to do that? I would have done blocking social networking or something else. Oh, no, no, no. I want to play with fire, Steve. I want to know if this thing works. Do you trust it? You should be filtering as long as your IP addresses are correct on there. And actually, right, so let's, let's go back one let's step. Double, let's go back to let's your double check those IPs first. Well, let's double check your IP and then let's check your logging as well. So let's see what your result is going to be before you actually pull up one of those websites. So if you pull the logging back up and you'll actually in that same page, it has a policy tester. So let's test your policy. In the log viewer? Yep, in the log viewer. You share. All right, so. so right at the very top, you'll see log viewer and test policy. So type uh -huh. in the URL that you were wanting to go to. So I think everyone knows pornhub.com, right? All right, so now we don't want to test a firewall policy, we want to test a web policy. Okay. And we're going to put our policy in there. I made the one test. called no nudity. All right. The result is going to be blocked and it's going to be blocked because it's your category and it's going to highlight everything in there because you are any one of the users and it's hitting that user content category in there as well. So now that we've also checked that the IPs are correct, logic also dictates that that's going to be blocked on this computer as well, right? That should be correct. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Now, can we change this screen? There are some things you can change on the screen. You can't change everything on there, but yes, you can go through web and add some custom information of, uh, you know, about this request. Who do you need to visit? Please call this number. Please email this person or your director, whatever the case may be, uh, in order to, if you think this was blocked uh, unintentionally. And then going back to the log viewer, I should see like something in there, right? Yep, so let's go, not on your content policy, let's go to your web filter. And so now we That's have great, man. your top option there. And you can also filter that out. You can filter it by just give me the denies. I don't want you know, all the allows in there. Uh, so if you hit add filter. Oh, okay. And then you can do it by category. You can do it by action. Uh, so if we do it by action on there, we can say is denied and filter it. Here's all your denied That's that's perfect. So that was that was very, very fast. So now now Zach suggested we play with a little more fire and test HTTPS colon slash slash. And this time, instead of it function, I'll say instead of it functioning, I got a certificate error. I so I didn't see the the typical warning thing but I got a certificate error, but it did deny it. So I think that might be because I've got, um, box. We, we've got to talk about that certificate here. So 
Okay, so um, let's see. Uh, okay, I'm going to close that because we don't we don't need that there. So I feel like uh, let's look through some of these these questions because we've got quite a few. Um, Zach says I've heard Samstorm does its analysis in the same way as Intercept X. Is that the case? Uh, not in the same way that Intercept X does it. Uh, it is going to be separate. It is a sandboxed environment. It is using a lot of the same techniques for using uh, deep learning. We are executing it, seeing if there's uh, you know, any exploits. It's not the exact same technology, but it does use a lot of the same components that Intercept X has as well. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so that one's good. Uh, I've heard many MSPs complain about Unify APs not working well with Sophos firewalls. What are some best practices? And somebody else did say that you should add an IDS exception to allow the Unify to contact the controller. Otherwise, it shows the Unify device is offline. I have not dealt with Unify devices, so I do not know. If you guys need help with those, uh, definitely reach out to your local teams. We'll find as much information as we can on those devices. Uh, if they have something specific, you know, that's going to be on Unify to let us know that, hey, we're reaching out here for whatever reason. If they're doing it over HTTP, HTTPS, whatever port they're utilizing, we'll obviously want to have a separate firewall rule for them to get through the firewall without uninterrupted, you know, making sure we're not blocking them from getting to their controller. All right. Now, in the web policy, can you guys add a notification if a category or user category is already selected? So I, are you asking, um, and this was anonymous asked it, so I don't even know who to talk to. Uh, you, can, you can respond and add comments to your question, so that way you can, you can give us some more context in that and then we'll we'll talk about that later. yeah so there's only one web filter policy per firewall rule so as they add in social networking whatever category is on there that category is removed for the list so you're you're not going to be adding it uh you know more than once in that case unless you add it in for you know an above rule um so what he's saying is probably you want to get notified that you had it in there twice but one's in there as a any and one's in there as a certain user I don't know why you'd want to be notified on that. I mean, you'd want to look through your rules. I, I almost wonder, because you saw in the web filtering, it had like USR slash cat, and then it just had by category. So the user is going to be user activity. So those are two different components okay. in there. And the category is going to be by the actual category of the website. So uh, the user activity might have that in there. So you wouldn't necessarily need to use both uh, the user activity and the category. It is two different ways. Uh, one's going to be bundled with some more options inside of it. And again, you can go under web and we can start breaking down what those categories are, what those users activities are. That way you guys understand what those mean in your environment and what they're actually going to be blocking. And then as you're doing those blocks on your environment, you can go through your policy test. And if you were looking for something and let's say you had social networking in there twice, you test it against that rule. And as you just saw in there, it highlights it. It highlights the components that you see on there. So is it being allowed because of this user? Is it being blocked because it's on in anybody or because it's not a time of day? And then uh, somebody, uh, a, a few people have mentioned Office 365. Um, it seems like there are some 
love-hate relationship things going on with Sophos and Office 365. Here is a KB article that will fix some Office 365 issues, uh, including um, Office 365 installations and updates on the software. Um, so essentially, Web 365 doesn't like to have, you know, essentially what we're doing is the man in the middle. Uh, yeah. So what everybody's doing at this point is you're doing an SSL inspection. We're taking decrypting the traffic and re-encrypting it. 365 does not like that at all. So that's why you have to go through and add this list in there for that traffic. Uh, you're going to probably run into this with Dropbox as well. Dropbox does not like having a man in the middle on there. Okay. Um, let's, let's go back into here. So let's look at, oh man, these allergies are killing me. Um, and it started raining. So I look like I'm a weird coder who likes to live in the dark now. Okay, um, let's look here again. So I'm not doing anything with the HTTPS. So I'm at least not doing weird certificate things. Correct. Which is a plus. Now well, we are we had... taking a look at port 80 and 443 just from the traffic as we did mark that as blocked. We're not inspecting that traffic, but we are just simply doing web categorization on both 80 and 443. So would this apply to me? This would not apply to you because we are not doing now. You definitely want to have these in there just to make sure it's not hitting any of the protection modules on there as well, because this is going to be uh, HTTPS as well as the content scanning that you're doing on there. So you would want to go and add these for anybody that is doing 365. Gotcha. And then um, I feel like the next thing I want to touch on is intrusion prevention. And that is what some people refer to as IPS, thanks to some of these other um, router, firewall, gateway devices that are out there. So, um, so same concept as uh, your web protection on here. We are going to have some defaults that we have in there. Uh, these are going to be just really, really generic. Uh, Sophos actually gets really different when we talk IPS. And you can select the policy to clone, which is what we have to do at first, or just hit save. And I just recommend hitting save. Put a name in there, hit save, and then we'll go and uh, modify it. With the IPS on there, we're actually going to be going through and specifying. So in, in normal firewalls, you specify IPS at the firewall level, and it's pretty much going to be an all or nothing. Uh, every single firewall rule applies to this set of IPS policies. In here, we're going to set very specific IPS policies just for this firewall rule. If we were doing an inbound uh, HTTPS to a website, and we wanted IPS on there, we would come through and only have that apply to anything that applies to maybe IIS, if that's what's running our server, or Apache. So we don't have to go in and go through all you know, 7,000 plus rules before making a decision each and every time a packet comes through. So yours in here being a workstation, let's just go ahead and call this workstation. And now we can start, you can start going through this and right at the top here, because you're probably not going to know what each and every single one of these rules are. Uh, I don't have them memorized. You're going to go through your categories, severity. So if we go into our categories, we can come right down the list and go, yep, we use Chrome, check. We want to put that one inside of there. Uh, maybe we want to cover the rest of our browsers and plugins and whatnot in there as well. So now we can start getting specific on what we're actually doing inside of the environment. Uh, for using Flash, uh, you know, OS, Windows, 
So again, now you don't have to put these all under one or you separate them out completely up to you, but you go through this category list and you're looking for what is important to you. So if we want to leave it as just browsers, so let's just take browsers for a moment. We'll just uncheck those three and hit okay. So that's gonna drop us down to the next list. Now we're gonna go to severity. Now with this, we don't want anything that's, you know, you know, warnings, whatever. We just want the critical and major events in there, or maybe just the critical events in there. And we're gonna hit okay on there. And next we can go to platform. So platform, we don't have any in your environment, your Mac, but let's say we're Windows only, we can select Windows or we can select Windows and Mac in the environment. So again, we're going through the list selectively on here and getting to where we're at a list of just what is about the browsers and what's coming through there. And then we can select our you know, client and server on there as well. Do I need client and server? So this will be coming from your client. So you can leave that unselected on there. We can leave it just as it is right now, or you can define you know, the target on there if you want. So typically I'd leave the target for this one probably unchecked. We just want to look at everything that's browser oriented. You know, It's got a critical or major severity for Windows and Mac, and we want to drop those packets on there. And then you can just hit save. So instead of calling this workstation, I might say- Call this browser, browser. yep. And hit save on there. And we can continue to add. So this is the, the beauty of this uh, part on here. We just added in browsers and then we can add an additional one on there. Maybe we wanted some other category, you know, OS or uh, you know, MySQL as we use our environment or VoIP, whatever the case may be. And we can start adding those on and what do we care about for those particular platforms. And here's where it gets interesting. I don't see OS Mac. Um, OS Mac, I don't know what that's going to be listed under. It's not going to be mobile. Um, it is sort of, it's not a Linux environment. It's more of a Unix environment. Uh, so that one, I'm not quite sure what that necessarily is going to be listed under. Well, Windows and Mac are both in right here. Yep. Yeah, it's there for the platform as far as a category. I'm not sure what that'd be listed as, but you notice your matching signatures just went down to 223. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so now we're getting very specific in one firewall rule as to what we're looking for. And you no. don't have to do by category every time. We could have just said severity, oh, critical. Yeah, so it's going to add those in. So we didn't have to go and define the category. You could just say that I want anything that's critical or major for Windows and Mac done. I added that in there. Gotcha. So I feel like this is a good spot to save this. We can come back to this later yep. and uh, continue to mold that to be the, uh, the, the evil admin that I want to be. Traffic shaping. So let's talk traffic shaping. So... Uh, before you hit create new, and I knew you were going to do that. Um, so let's talk traffic shaping a little bit here first. So there's four different ways to do traffic shaping on the actual XG firewall. Uh, you can do it right now, which you're on uh, at this section, which is doing it by firewall rule. Now go ahead and click on match known users for me at the top there under identity. Yes. Now you'll notice that your traffic shaping policy just got grayed out and it says yeah. users policy is going to be applied. So we can do traffic shaping based on users. So if we have Active Directory, have Radius, where we have whatever authentication we're using in our environment set up, we can go in and create user-defined traffic shaping policies on there. 
if we don't want to match users, and this is how you can set this up for VoIP or whatever else you're using in your environment, because again, we can get very specific on source and destination, we can now uncheck the match known users, and we can do traffic shaping by policy. Now, the third and fourth ways on there, if we uh, just click anywhere off of there, you'll see that we have apply web category-based traffic shaping and apply application-based traffic shaping. So you can Which also go in and- We can't have an application control policy. Correct. Uh, so those are the four different ways we can actually get in and start doing traffic shaping. So from this point, it's only gonna be network because we're not matching the users on there. There is a VoIP guarantee, but that does not mean uh, that it's only looking for VoIP traffic. We would have to define this for the VoIP traffic inside of there. Uh, if you hit edit on the VoIP. Oh, I just select, so just so you know, um, I selected VoIP guarantee just because I just wanted to, to there, show yeah. people that I can still check and uncheck this uh, uh, web policy. And if I had an application policy, I could check that one too even though I already have uh, a VoIP guarantee traffic shaping policy. Yeah, so just to give you an overview on this and you know, I can definitely uh, get you a traffic shaping guide that you can send out to uh, all of your members on here. It's something that I put together that goes over all of this, but you can see the policy association right at the top here. So users, rules, web category. So this one is applying to rules. Uh, there's two rule types, so it's a limit or a guarantee. We want to, you know, let's say we have uh, people going out and surfing, and that's probably where you're going to use the application. They're surfing Pandora or they're streaming Spotify all day long, and we want to limit. We don't want to be that evil admin that blocks them, but hey, that guy's using all of my bandwidth, or we want to go through and limit uh, YouTube on there. Uh, so that's how we can go through and set all of those. Another key reference on here, and I'll, this will be in the guide as well, is just to notice that this is listed in KBPS, capital KBPS on there. So it's not megabits per second on there. So if you guys aren't sure on how to uh, do that in the guide, I also tell you how to do that as well. But quick and easy, you go to Google and it'll tell you how to convert from megabits to KB. And, and I wanna clarify that assuming that this is right, and so far I've been very impressed by Sophos, so I believe this is right. This is kilobytes, not bits. Correct. So remember, Correct. guys, there's eight bits in one byte. So you'll need to you'll need to keep that in mind as well. If you've got a 100 megabit connection, uh, I mean, if if you were to just round, then that's a uh, 10,000 kilobit connection, but or or something like that. Um, but uh, no, 100,000 kilobit connection. Um, but you then need to divide that by eight. Google is so, your friend, basically. Yeah, yeah. So now um, I, I'm interested in that guide because I am uh, grabbing it right my, my, my important thing that I would want to make sure is that my webinars always have the highest priority. And then the next highest priority would be uh, like a VoIP phone. And then um, I, I feel like, you know, so I, I'd be curious in doing that, but in the interest of time, uh, is there anyone here that desperately needs to see the traffic shaping stuff or are you guys okay with uh, looking through a guide? And then if you are an MSP partner, they can always reach out to you, right, Steve? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to do is reach out to your local team first. And then if need be, they will tie you into me because I am essentially just an overlay on top of uh, all of your local teams. Everybody there has a, uh, a local salesperson, both in your territory and in the Burlington or Vancouver office. And you have a local sales engineer as well. Uh, so I layer on top of that current sales engineer that you guys have. So you have multiple resources here at Sophos. So, um, and, and I just want to show you guys, I went again to id.sophos.com. I'm going to go to my partner portal, my Sophos partner portal. And in here, this is where you can, you can, uh, when you come up here and then click on partner portal, I don't know why it takes any opportunities first. That's frustrating. Um, it is something where we're trying to get them to fix, but they want you on your opportunities because apparently that's as a salesperson, that's where you should live. What, what are the current opportunities? Um, so once this loads, you'll see Steve Noggle. That's my local rep. You'll see his email, his phone number. Uh, yeah, right here. It, it even gives you his address. And I'm a little worried. I think that might be his home address. Uh, <laughs> If he put his home address in there, then that's on him. Yeah, that's true. You guys go um, visit him. So, so yeah, I mean, he's he's in there. There's a ton of stuff under training and certification if you've never been there. And then under uh, sales and marketing, they've got some really cool stuff in here for you to play around with. And then uh, sales zone, this is where you can get uh, price lists so you can determine what's the stuff going to cost, you know. Um, all right. So, uh, Somebody said, I would like to see VoIP. So I guess he, he wants to see if there's something also, specific you do here for VoIP. Well, so this is the rule for VoIP. So specifically what you'd want to do is just like we did before, we created a brand new rule because it's applied to a rule. And you're going to then, let's say we're going to do LAN uh, or VoIP zone if you create a new zone on there, my VoIP phones. And then we're going to go and attach that rule. And the WAN destination might be WAN and then to my VoIP system. And at that point, we're going to attach that rule to it. We're not going to put the VoIP guarantee inside of here because this is just a traffic shaping rule. This one just happens to be called VoIP. So you guys can utilize that and understand give basically a template of what's going on. So if gotcha. you want to do that, create a brand new one, create your source and your destination based on your source and destination for your VoIP traffic, your VoIP phones to the VoIP service. Don't have to do any content filtering on there because again, it's VoIP. We're not worried about that. We'd go straight down to the traffic shaping and we would shape that traffic. Hey, we want to guarantee the phone system uh, X amount of traffic per connection. Perfect. Um, all right. So application control. So same concept on here as the intrusion prevention. Uh, there are some basics in here, high risk peers. Easiest way to do that and best way to do this uh, is hit create new. Mm -hmm. I was just curious what. Yeah, there's a lot of info in here. There's a lot in here. All right, LinkedIn jobs, no more of that. Perfect. Windows store. <laughs> so, so is this a block list? <laughs> Uh, so we'd have to look at what it is down at the bottom there. So this one is a loss of productivity. Time the Windows off. Store is loss of productivity. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's never going to get old. That's great. Does anybody use the uh, Windows Store? 
Dynamic uh, so 365. Yeah. A freaking CRM is loss of productivity. Yeah. That's what they have for the default rule. So again, I don't recommend using the default rules inside of here. You guys can use these as a uh, uh, way to get around it. So if you want, you know, create a new rule, show you how easy it is to actually go through and pick this out to what you guys want. Yeah, that's that's a really unfortunate rule. Um, There's a lot of stuff inside of there. So it's always best to create your own. It's super simple. Again, create a name on there, hit save. So like in my environments, they're all called corporate policy or whatever. And now we're just going to edit that particular policy. Now, I, for those of you that like, if I'm going too fast, I'm clicking this drop down, and I'm just clicking a little pencil. So we had to make it, and then we have to come back in and edit. Not the most intuitive, but not not terrible either. Um, yeah, you could create one prior to, and then just select it inside of here. But at this point, you know, it looks just like the IPS, so trying to keep things similar. Uh, and there's also a smart filter search on here as well. So let's pick on um, let's pick on Farmville or something. I always pick on Farmville because I know it's in there. Poor Farmville. So There's you a just lot did, of farms if you just look up farm. Yeah, so you just did farm. Now, this is a smart filter. So essentially, we're going to be selecting anything that says farm. Uh, and if you hit deny and all the time on there, any new application that got brought in with the word farm would be blocked. So if you are wanting to block something specific like Farmville, make sure you do specific names on there. So if you type in Firefox or whatever the case may be. Hmm. And then you got your categories, your risks, the technology classification. So it allows you to come through. You know, we want to put games in here, you know, quick and easy games. Now, I know you're going through and it's, you get a, it's kind of probably easy to go through and just click a lot of different categories at once. Uh, it's got a lot of couple, it's going to add a lot of things in there. It's to me, it's always better because you can then modify them a lot easier to pick maybe one or maybe two categories define that list down to where you want those categories and then select your action on it. And then you can always layer additional ones on top of that. So you don't want to create one application filter policy kind of to rule them all because that one's going to be a very long list right. that you just saw. So this has got 60 some items there, 68 items in it. So that's, that's actually really cool. And I got to say like everything in this list is definitely not something I would want running on my network here. Mega upload. Yeah, this this can all just go straight into the deny. So now I'll save. So so this is assuming I've I've set it all up. Now I can hit save, and that is just added this here. Yep, and you see how that then, list is relatively long. That's why you don't want to add too many categories inside of there. Even if you broke out your application download and your P2P into different categories on there, yeah. you can keep adding those on. That way it's quick and easy. Here's what this one applies to. This is download and P2P for high risk and very high risk all the time. Got it. So I'll hit save because that's all I want to add for right now. Now, uh, guys, I know we're at an hour and 15 minutes, so there might be some of you that have to bounce out of here. If that's the case, does anyone here have any last, like, do you have any questions that you need to ask and get answered before you leave? Um, otherwise, I mean, Steve, you're okay to keep going, right? 
Yeah, I'm good for right now. Let me check my calendar. I scheduled this out for quite a quite a bit of time. Oh, Jeff wants the link to that traffic shaping guide. Uh, I just sent it to you if you want to share it with everybody. I sent you actually three guides. I sent you my traffic shaping guide, my troubleshooting guide, and uh, asymmetric routing, which is another discussion altogether, which we can talk about at some other later point in time. Sounds good. Uh, I know you have a couple of questions in there. I know one of them was, how do you terminate active connections? You can terminate active users, but right now, uh, until we get to version 18, you can't terminate active connections. So that is something that will be coming uh, with version 18. Perfect. All right. So, I'm so this one, you've got a rule set up. Um, I don't know if you want to cover just these few items here and then talk about an inbound rule. So we're not, you know. I actually, I was, I was just about to say, let's, let's go to an inbound rule. So real quick on here, just so we can cover this so you guys can see, this is quite literally everything in one, one rule. I mean, quite honestly, Steve hasn't left this rule and we're still you know, modifying everything on here. Uh, middle section here, synchronized security. That's your endpoint and firewall sharing threat intelligence. Uh, that's going to be, once we set that up for a central synchronization, we can determine whether or not that endpoint needs to be in a good greenhouse state or minimum yellow before it's allowed to use this particular rule on there. And then your routing. So again, masquerading out to the internet, which one are we going to, which IP address are we going to use on the outside? And then there are two different ways to do WAN link load balancing as well. You can do it based on your primary gateway and then backup gateway, select those or we have a WAN link load balancer that can be set up on there as well. So you guys have multiple options, just like you saw with traffic shaping of the same options with the, uh, how we want to do WAN link load balancing on there. If you have uh, options where you want to go in and have uh, QoS down the line, that is where this uh, DSCP markings come in. We can actually mark that traffic. Now down the line, your ISP provider or whoever else is down the, the next hop from us, would have to understand that. If they're not taking in that information, then marking this does not help. Okay. So let's um, let's go ahead and save this because I feel like this is this is pretty good here. Now we've done a lot of stuff now on on this policy. So um, let's see. Uh, the only thing I don't think we did was the traffic shaping. So I don't see the little HB. What's HB? So HB is heartbeat. Got, okay, and that's part of the synchronized stuff. So yeah, let's as do- you highlight over that one, uh, so if you, if you saw on there, uh, as we highlight over that, it actually shows you the name of your web policy, the name of your app policy, logging is enabled. So mm -hmm. again, you guys don't have to dive into each one of these rules to understand what's going on. That's awesome. Um, all right, guys, so if you didn't see, I put into the chat uh, links to the traffic shaping policy, the firewall troubleshooting guide, and the asymmetric routing guide if you're about to get crazy. Um, Office 365 web exceptions group that they manage for us would be nice. Yep, that is something we are going to be requesting the team put in for 18 as well. Uh, they're not doing it with 17 uh, simply because of the fact that we are getting ready to release 18 and 18 is going to have a whole brand new web engine on there. Uh, and actually those rules are not going to be needed as of 18. 
So you guys, when 18 comes out, uh, which will be September for early access, definitely recommend you guys download it, put in your test environments, whole brand new web engine in there and a whole different way of allowing traffic through the actual XG firewall. So legit traffic that we say is authorized, such as 365. Apparently any of the stuff that I've put in the chat were only to all panelists. So I uh, I just put all of the things that I've put into the chat throughout this time into the chat again. Sorry about that, guys. Um, okay, so let's make an inbound filter. And I think this one's gonna be a real quick one. And then I wanna talk about uh, the next thing that I feel is, is important would be uh, the software on my computer talks to the hardware firewall. What do you call that again? Synchronized yeah, security? Synchronized security. Yep. All right. All right. So, so you'll see here's a couple of different options on there, and you can probably read down the list there and kind of sort of figure it out. Yep. This is going to be a little bit more than just your inbound. So inbound could be some of the other services we have as well. So that's why you see WAF on here. This is also why you see email for SMTP. If we're just looking for your basic, you know, NAT translation coming into the network, that's going to be your DNAT full NAT load balancing rule. If you're not using, you're not licensed for the web server, you're not wanting web, uh, web application firewall, you're not hosting your own uh, email and exchange server, uh, most people are not these days, they're using 365. The only option you typically will select in here is that DNAT rule. And essentially what that's doing is bringing a template up for you to go through and fill out. Okay, so if I were to say, you know, I've got an email server here in the office, uh, I select that and it automatically just knows. And the only thing I need to do is yeah, you gotta fill up the source zone. I assume would be the WAN. So on this one, you'd actually want to do, yeah, you can do WAN, that's fine, because it's coming from our WAN side of the things on there. And email is going to be a little different, so that one's a little tricky. There's actually two okay. different ways of doing uh, email. Now, the way you're doing it right now would be a transparent method of accepting email. We're just going to look at the traffic as it's coming across the firewall. The default mode is actually MTA, uh, which we don't need a firewall rule for. The XG firewall accepts the email processes the email and sends it on to the actual email server. So two different methods of doing that. about that on Tuesday, where uh, depending on the XG firewall license, um, depending on the license, you can, you can use the firewall itself for email content filtering as well. To an extent, you'd have to be sending your email through the firewall. So it would have to, if you're using 365, it gets a little bit crazy on the troubleshooting side. So your email is going to go MX record to the XG firewall to 365, back down to your client. And when you send it, we're going to want to send it through the XG firewall as well. That way we can intercept that uh, traffic on there. If we're doing it this way, we're just looking at the traffic coming through there. Uh, you can do a little bit of scanning on there. It's not going to be as deep as if it's an MTA where we're collecting it. We're getting the information and then processing it right through. Gotcha. Okay. But again, so, most people don't use 365, so this would not be where you'd want to do your web filtering for a 365 account. 
we'd want to use uh, you know, cloud-based hosted solutions, something with multiple services. We don't want to rely on your one internet connection being up uh, in order to make sure your email is working. You don't want to live dangerously? Myself, I do not. Uh, other people might. That's fair. Okay. Um, so I, I don't actually need to do anything in here. Nope. So the one thing we're going to want to do is uh, cancel this oh. one. We want to do a, a DNAT rule. So an actual, let's bring any service we're talking about, uh, anything other than you know, the standard like RDP. You guys do not want to open that up to the outside. Uh, hopefully with all the news lately, that's just apparent. So I definitely want to do RDP. Well, so that RDP right there would be fine because that RDP down there would be us acting as the web server with the authentication. That's actually a reverse access proxy to it. That one would be fine. DNAT inside here with RDP would be bad. So Got just it. like a firewall rule, we're going to go through and set up a name. You know, what is this going to do? Let's, uh, you know, whatever service you have on the inside, let's just pick on web servers for the moment. That's easy. Okay. So again, the source uh, is going to be WAN, right? Correct, because it's coming from that WAN interface and the source network, unless we know who it's coming from, is going to have to be any. If you know who it's coming from or a set of clients, you can do that. Um, and then you can go right on down the list. So essentially, uh, oh, and the other nice thing is we can come in here and I can select like, I'm going to find North Korea on this list and make sure that it'll uh, go to my... Easy way to do this again, always hit that show where it says show and we're on all. And we can come through and say uh, either country or uh, country group. And mm -hmm. now it all groups it together to North America, South America. You got all the contents on there. Or yeah, I don't want Antarctica. I don't trust those penguins. Uh, no, 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 and no. So I'll allow North America to go to my imaginary web server. Um, destination, uh, we'll just point it to this one since it already exists. So now the destination here, and I, I was waiting for you to you know, look at you know, that one. This is actually where is it going to on your firewall? So where it's going to on your firewall is going to be your external. So it's going to actually be that port two. You tricked me. Yeah, I, I was just waiting because everybody does this, uh, you know, when they're first going through there. So you'll see that this is the destination. So where is it going to? It's going to hit your firewall. Remember, as a firewall, it's accepting the traffic, and then we're forwarding that to wherever it needs to go. So the firewall needs to answer that, and it's answering it on that uh, 24.144. And you're coming through and selecting the services, HTTP, HTTPS. And let's just select HTTP for the moment so we can uh, show you the different options on there. You can select multiple. And then we're going to go to the forwarded to. Where is this traffic going? Once the firewall gets it, who gets it after that? So from here, you can find yours. You can search. You can, again, hit that show all to find just uh, your options on there. You can create a new. So if we just wanted to see our you know, lists of IPs, you want to create a new host, very easy to do right from here. Okay. And I can uh, map it to a different port if I want to. So that's why I had you select just one service. If you selected multiple services, you cannot do a port address translation in there as well. If we are doing um, just a regular one one to one, we can say we're accepting on port 80, but maybe that web server is set up for 8081. Got it. Okay. 
and then we could do these like IPS and, and the last thing you need is your protected zone. So we want to make sure we keep everything inside of there in your protected zone. Oh. That device exists on your LAN. My bad. All right. Next, after that, we we would come down here, and if we want to do the IPS stuff, we could. Correct. But we don't need to on a like a web server one, do we? Uh, so on a web server, you might want to set up IPS. You might want to go in and create an IPS rule, and this is an IIS web server, so. We would do a smart search on there for IIS. Let's find anything critical and major for IIS servers. So again, getting very specific on your intrusion prevention, locking it down to this is just IIS content coming on 443 or 480 in this case. And that's what we're looking for from the IPS. Traffic shaping, again, you can use that or not use that. Heartbeat. You would not use the source heartbeat because we don't know the people on the internet there. You could use destination heartbeat though, the destination of that server. If it has a heartbeat, it does have to be in a good green state. If it's not, we won't allow them to get to it. That's good. So if that server gets screwed up, gets compromised, yeah. and it falls down to yellow, and I assume there's a red too. It's just not even so, allowed to be done. Yeah, the red is not gonna be an option. So this is minimum. So do we want it to be at minimum green or at minimum yellow? It has to at least be in a minimum yellow or minimum green. If it's in red, you're being blocked. Well, if it's in red, isn't it already like no restriction? Like So no restriction means we're not restricting, you know, what the minimum heartbeat is. So this isn't what the current is, you know, this is what the minimum would be. So if we selected yellow, it means that anyone with a yellow or green heartbeat can get out to the internet. Got it, okay. And use this rule. Uh, if we set green only, then anyone with a yellow or red would not be allowed to use this rule because the minimum is green. So this is your minimum. Red is the lowest, so we wouldn't put that as a minimum. You know, hey, minimum, if you're red and you put that as a minimum, okay, well, we're saying if you're bad, you can still use this rule. Got it. Okay. And then I see you've got a reflexive rule thing here. Yeah, so, so the reflexive rule does work. Uh, one thing to watch out for is people like to select this as well, uh, that rewrite source address, and they forget that it says source address on here and your source address is coming from the WAN. So you're you going to, yeah, we don't want to rewrite the source address. Now there are specific times that we may want to do that. Uh, if we have, let's say, you know, a VPN tunnel coming in and it's got like networks on both sides and we want to do a, a source uh, address uh, NAT on there, making sure that traffic comes in, then we would do it there. We want to rewrite that source. But for coming from the WAN, we don't want to do that. We don't want to take where they're coming from and rewrite them to our internal address. Perfect. All right. And reflexive um, is not needed unless you have it severely locked down. Right now, we have a rule that allows everybody out. Uh, if we didn't, and we, you know, this was a really, really locked down, we want to make sure that server could go in and out on port 80, then you can create that reflexive rule for it. And uh, log firewall traffic, as always, we want to do that. Yep, definitely a good idea. Okay, so I'll hit cancel instead of save. Um, all right, so you know, there's a there's a few things that I feel like we still need to do, Steve. Um, we need to talk about uh, synchronized security. We need to talk about fixing the SSL cert that's on this thing. Um, we need to talk about. 
So the SSL cert, and you're not going to want to do that right now because it's going to kick you out of it, but you'll see there's certificates down here at the bottom. Yep. And what you're going to need to do is actually grab the appliance certificate as well as the certificate authority for this device and upload those into your box if you're not wanting to get that. So you'll see there's certificate authority here, that appliance SSL CA. You're going to need to put that into your box as a trusted certificate uh, or certificate authority. So we're going to have the certificate, download that, put that into our machine, as well as the authority because we're self-signing. Now, could I go out and buy a certificate from you know, GoDaddy or Komodo or whatever and install it on here so it just works? To get to your device, yes. Uh, I don't know if most people want to do that. Now, for the SSL inspection on your web traffic, no, because no provider out there is going to allow you to put their name and stamp their name on it with you rewriting certificates coming into your environment. Uh, so they're not going to have you be the, uh, the CA on there. Uh, so with that, no. So the only thing it's going to allow you to do if you have a valid cert in here is get to the firewall uh, and you'd have to get to it via you know, a URL that actually matches what is on the certificate itself. Uh, and if you're having anybody come into your user portals, you'd be able to go through and do it that way as well. Got it. So Cliff said when you first started the webinar, you jumped into the logs and there was stuff there. However, when you went back to the portal, you then turned on log firewall traffic. So remember, Cliff, we have two firewall policies right now. We've got the default, which I turned log firewall traffic on like a week ago or whenever we set this up together. And then we've got the new one that I started making earlier today, uh, which included the, um, the website and content and all malware and all that. Um, that is the one that I came in here and, and turned on log firewall traffic. Yeah, and in your log, you're also going to see, so this is for these rules. This is applying to LAN any host to WAN and LAN to WAN for this particular device here. In the log viewer, it's also going to show other connections that are attempting to make it out that hit rule zero. And rule zero is a does not exist. There's no such thing as rule zero. Basically, it's an automatic deny. So anything that doesn't match one of our rules is going to hit rule zero. So here's the traffic that we're seeing hit, and it's probably a lot of traffic from the WAN side since you're connected directly to your internet connection. At that point, you've got people you know, hitting the firewall all day long. It's seeing that connection coming in. There's no rules that match. It's logging it and dropping it. Got it. Okay. Um, synchronized security. I feel like, uh, I feel like that should be our... Well, okay, hold on. We can't do, we shouldn't do synchronized security until I'm in, I've got this thing in the central dashboard, right? So we can go ahead and set up synchronized security. We don't have any heartbeat statuses turned on. And to get it into your central partner dashboard, we will have to go ahead and set up synchronized security. So there are a couple different firewall managers that are out there. If you want to log in, we can cover those real quick. There's what's called CFM, which is right from the partner dashboard. That stands for Central Firewall Manager. That is a cloud firewall manager hosted by Sophos. It does have a fairly lengthy onboarding process. We've also got the SFM, which is going to be your on-prem. It's a virtual machine that you load on-prem. It's the same exact one as your uh, Central Firewall Manager. 
And then we have our brand new tool, which is the one I recommend, which is in Central Partner, but it is in the customer's central admin account. So the goal of where we're moving everything is to keep everything a single pane of glass. You get your endpoints, your server, your mobile devices, wireless, whatever you're doing, whatever you're deploying out for this particular customer. And then we also have firewalls as well. So, so if we want to get your firewall, yeah, so that's, mm -hmm. right now we're seeing firewall customers and just that you have one firewall and we have it marked as assigned to you. That's all that's really showing us. If you go to your firewall manager there, we see zero firewalls. Oh, fun. So we wouldn't hit add firewall. I know you resist the urge because that's not how we're going to, we add the firewall in. So we're going to have to, Steve. yeah. So we would have to go back to overview and we're going to have to set up a user account first, which I believe we already did go under people and hit to your all users and go to admins only. Okay, so we do not have an admin in this system. So we would have to add an admin in the system. So with synchronized security, uh, you have to have the firewall be able to log directly on to the customer's central admin account. It cannot log into your partner account and then find its way into that particular customer. So it is tied directly to central admin. So from here, you can go ahead and yeah, select the role as super admin, fill in your first and last name. You can call this, you know, Steve admin or Sophos admin, uh, fill in your email address, which you can just use your Steve Taylor at Gmail, even though it's used somewhere else. I'll show you how to get around that in a second. Or do you have a Gmail account? I don't feel this will work with your domain level account. I'm thinking here. Uh, That'll work. Is that not listed anywhere? Correct. Um, actually, so for yours, we do have Steve at Taylor in, in this account, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's modify that one. So if we want to create a user, that's where we do that one. Uh, select your all users. And we can actually elevate your Steve Taylor account if we want. Uh, just hit edit user. And you can modify your role there. Now, is that the same email address you use to log into your partner dashboard? Yes. All right, that one's not gonna work then. So I ask a lot of questions here. Uh, so you can just drop that one back to user because you won't be able to log in. You already have a login to one of the Sophos Central accounts. So if you have another one that's on that list, we can use that. And guys, if you want an easy you know, how-to on how to set up synchronized security, um, we do have YouTube videos out there for the Sophos MSP group as well. All right, now, once I hit save, is it going to immediately send that an email? Yes. And that email has what I need to get logged in? That email is going to have a link to create a password. All right, so I need to come in here and make an alias. Because apparently 11 aliases isn't enough. Yeah, and just make sure you're... Google account has that alias as well. My Google account account has an accept all. Oh, very nice. We can have fun with that since all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but it's not an alias in here. 
<laughs> You're like, oh, darn it. All right, so now I'm magically good. Now you're magic good. Hit save. You'll want to get that email that just went to you. And we're going to basically set up that administrative user. I definitely recommend doing that from a different browser because you're logged into your partner dashboard on this browser. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Let's see. There a open this all the way up button. There it is. New share. So this is what that looks like. That email, just so you guys know. Yep. So definitely need to make sure you're using an account that's not part of your uh, current one. If you guys are using a Gmail account, it's probably one of the easiest ones, single mailbox. Gmail has a nice little uh, on-the-fly alias system uh, similar to uh, Reflection. You just your email address plus you know, some three-digit identifier, whatever you want to put on there for identifier at gmail.com. That way you can quickly and easily set up uh, an alias on the fly. How annoying. So because it because it's you're right it said uh, login Steve at TaylorITGroup.com even though that's not what I put in. I can't see your screen at the moment. Well, the the welcome Steve Taylor, uh, a Sofo Central admin has created uh, blah blah blah, but I I called it Sophos admin and the email was Sophos at TaylorIT Group. Yep, that should be what you use for using and password. Yep. But it didn't send that to me. It said, welcome Steve Taylor, not welcome Sophos admin. Well, that's because it came through on your account there and it knows your name. You're just an alias of that one account there. So I can use this set up my password and it'll work anyway? Yep. Well, make sure you have the right one. Remember, we did move you as a super admin for a moment. So that would have sent you an email. So use the correct one that you got. If it came to Steve uh, at Taylor, then that's not the one you want to use. You want to use the one that came to Sophos at. That's right. Man, this, see what happens when you guys screw around and, and go ahead of the teacher. And I don't have that email which then makes me go, all right, did that email just not come yet? So then I have to come in here to email gateway, logs and reports, hasn't even tried yet. Yep, so nothing received for that one at the moment. Well, that's super. I and I love this by the way, risky sites clicked. Like 95% of the links that I get in my emails, you guys think are risky. I'm trying to keep you honest. 
I think you guys are just like, uh, someone asked if we can use Let's Encrypt, which I, I guess we could, but if, it, if we can't use the SSL for that man in the middle attack we're doing on the on scanning that HTTPS traffic, does it really matter? Like just install their cert on your computer and then you won't get that red flag anymore when trying to log into the, the dashboard. Yeah. Or, the only time you guys want to use your own cert uh, for the actual HD firewall is if you are going to have SSL VPN set up or you're going to have end users coming from the outside of your network uh, hitting the user portal of the XG firewall. If it's just you as an admin, install the self-sign, you know, CA and cert on there and be done with it. Why spend any more time and money on it? Steve, I feel stuck. So we don't have that email coming through. We verify the email address on there, go to people and mailboxes. So, well, that's going to be the thing. So you have a person yeah, it's not going to be in. So you're trying to add an alias for a mailbox and to another person. So that's where we're going to be a little stuck on that as well. Gotcha. So that would have actually needed to be a another mailbox. So we're starting to involve way too many items in one troubleshooting here. Because you can see here you have a Sophos at Taylor IT, plus you also have it under your other one as well. Oh, you know what? So I screwed up. I shouldn't have actually done that. I should have just left this as it was. And then. Yeah, but is that kind of. Back to people and we should be able to go to Sophos help. This one here. Or is it Sophos admin, whichever one you used. Looks oh. like you've got a, you've got oh, quite a few labeled as a Sophosat Taylor. So I created this one trying to get you guys to help me because they were insisting that they needed to have a user account created. I don't know why we would need one. But... I don't know the long story. Um, so it's not letting me delete that. Uh, you are in as the super admin. It's probably because we still have mailboxes assigned to that. We'd have to get rid of the mailboxes first. Won't let me delete that either. Well, right. But you're in the people. So we have to go and actually get rid of the mailboxes first. Uh, so we're going to verify we don't have that. Uh, no so mailboxes. let's go to help. Is it at the help or is it any of these other ones for the alias? Do a search for that Sophosat. At this point, I mean, like I said, that's why I typically use a Gmail account because right now we're troubleshooting things that <laughs> basically got us way off target. All right, let me just add a new one with a Gmail then. Whoops. And if you actually do a plus on there. So just so you guys can see how easy that is. Oh, or hit save on there. Um, you can actually just add it a plus on there. Don't do it at this point because we've already gone through and sent that uh, out there. But you could have added a Taylor IT group plus and we called it MSP or called it, you know, whatever you want on there. And that way you can use that one multiple times. Gotcha. All right. So if you select, yeah, find that one, you should have a welcome email coming in on that. 
Does anyone else have a brain that's like hurting? Just me? Set up my password. All right, so I just need to, to create a password for this and then I don't need to be logged in as that anymore, right? Nope, we don't need to be logged in as that anymore. Set your password and let's go right back to the firewall. Now I'm back into the firewall. Okay. So we're going to go to central synchronization and we're going to hit register. And this is going to be the email and password you just assigned to that SOFO central account. If your poor dog. So, and, and remind me, Steve, why couldn't I have just used my existing account? Your partner account? So your partner account does not go to SOFO Central Admin. Your partner account has no way of logging on directly to SOFO Central Admin. It has to go to the partner account, and then from there we launch when you manually select. The firewall does not know how to log on to a partner dashboard and would not know how to find whatever customer you think it's supposed to go to. So there's no automagic in here to make this thing flow through and find that customer automatically. Got it. So from this point, you've registered, you've got synchronized security set up, you've got synchronized application control set up. If we want to manage the firewall from there as well, turn that on. Yes, we would love to do our backups there as well. You guys should definitely do multiple levels of backups. Uh, we can definitely take the last five inside of SOFO Central, uh, but you know, definitely go on the firewall itself and have them either email you or drop them on an FTP server. So wait, if you wait, go wait. into- You guys take backups of your firewalls? Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> uh, so that right there, it basically just gave a permission and you'll see here it says waiting for approval from SOFO Central. So if you go to that, customer SOFO central account. So go to your partner or go directly to there. And let's go to firewall management. You'll see that we have not fish threat. You have one firewall, uh, it's not managed. And if we actually click firewalls, it'll give you the information here that this is connected. And all we have to do is click that magical little accept the services. And at this point you can manage the firewall. Uh, if you clicked on it right there, it's actually going to launch into that particular firewall. It does take a few uh, seconds on there because we are waiting for the firewall to check in. It's grabbing a token, it's building a support tunnel, and then bringing you single sign-on directly into that firewall. Nice. So this makes it so you don't have to have any WAN access open to your firewall. You don't have to open up the, uh, the web admin utility and expose it to the entire internet out there. So somebody asked, uh, with, with IPS, why wouldn't you want to block all the things just in case an attacker is trying other things besides just IAS? So if we are only protecting IAS and the attacker is a trying to attack Apache, 
They can try attack Apache all day long. Apache doesn't exist and will never respond. So with IPS, if you tell it that we are going to search down the list of everything uh, IAS, everything Apache, everything remote desktop, everything, you know, pick all of the above. We have to check every single time a connection is made on there, you have to check that entire list. This is where most IPS engines typically add a huge burden to the actual device. If the only thing we're protecting is an IIS server and the only thing that they could attack or compromise are things specific to an IIS server, why would we look any further? I like it. So your your reasoning is not because you, you don't you're not worried about it. It's you're 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 not saying we need to worry about it because it doesn't exist, so they can try hacking Apache all day long. But if the only server you have is um, is an IAS server, it's it doesn't make any difference. They don't yep. have any ports they can connect to. Right, Apache exploits don't work against IAS. Yeah. Same vice versa. You know, IAS doesn't work against Apache. Remote desktop exploits don't work against, you know, IAS or any other service out there. So, uh, on here, you can change the name of that, and it might be taking a second because it's still building the connections between there. You can come in and say rename the firewall, make it something a little more friendly. You know, hey, this is my home firewall. If you have multiple uh, firewalls in there, that's definitely good. Hey, this is main office, remote office, second remote office. I like your uh, original suggestion. Yeah, Make friendly. friendly. Uh, so yours is still pulling some information in because we just set it up, which is why your launching failed on there. We see it hasn't pulled the model in. It hasn't pulled the uh, uh, firmware updates on it yet. So it's still pulling some information in before it gets absolutely everything. Uh, you can go under backup while we're waiting for that to pull the information in and get fully set up. And because we do want backups of this device, we have to go under schedule backup, select a frequency. We only oh, keep five. Pardon? I mean, a firewall is something I shouldn't be changing often. So I would do weekly. Monthly? Weekly is for me is what I recommend because uh, basically you can do that you know once a week, either do it at the beginning of the week or the end of the week. Uh, you select your device, so hit the add new. Yep, select your device, which is the only one you have, and save. Now we're going to take backups of that particular device on there. Uh, weekly is going to give you five weeks worth of backups. If you've got to go back more than five weeks of a configuration, then there's probably some issues. Now, if you do need to take longer backups on there or you want weekly, but you want indefinite weekly, go on the firewall itself, have it send you emails, have it drop to an FTP server, you know, whatever the case may be. If you go under firmware and backup, here's your backup options. You can have it go local. Uh, local is only going to keep five FTP as many as you want on the FTP server, email again, as many as you want on the email as well. It's just gonna drop those in. Yeah, definitely might want passwords on your uh, backups. Make sure you guys write down your passwords to your uh, backups on there because we do not have the magic key on that. Excellent. Um, five is simply the limit, Matt. So whether you're doing daily, weekly, or monthly, they will only store five on central or on the firewall itself. So that is why he's recommending if you want more than five, 
that you that you set it up to email you. And like, you know, I've got it going to Steve. I can easily send this to help. And and now it's gonna it's gonna create a ticket every time a backup is taken. And then, you know, in your PSA, you can even tell it to, you know, automatically close them, assign them, you know, all that fun stuff using your work ro workflow rules. Okay. Um, and, and while we're in here, backup and firmware, firmware, this is where we came to look and see, is there anything new that needs to be deployed? And you'll see 17.0.6 MR6 is what I had on here before. And now we're running 17.5.7 MR7. There's no newer firmware available. As soon as 18.0 is available, um, I'll probably install it because I'm crazy like that. Uh, what what else do we need to do, Steve? Uh, the only thing, other thing I'd recommend on here, and it's something we didn't touch on, and if you go back to your control center, you can absolutely see it from there. Uh, now that we've got a few other things turned on. So back to the very top under manager, manage and analyze control center on the XG firewall. There's one component in here, uh, it's called advanced threat. You can get to it from there, but I can actually, if you go to the dashboard, I think we already turned this on for you. Um, this is something that is off by default. You guys definitely want to make sure you turn this on. And what you're going to want to look at is the insights on the far right-hand side here. You're going to see ATP down at the bottom. Uh, that ATP is going to be off. It's very easy to set up. If you click on it, it brings you right to the advanced threat section. Uh, it's only looking for traffic going out to known bad malicious servers, you know, botnet rings, command and control servers. So it's coming from the inside of your network going out. It's as simple as turning it on and marking it as blocked. And you can see there you've got one connected device on your security heartbeat. It's not going to show you that device inside of there, but you have one connected device. It would show you that device if that device was at risk. So if you want to put that device at risk, um, right now it's not going to be blocked. So you'd have to go to your firewall and turn the heartbeat service on for that. And then you can actually go ahead and block that from getting to the internet. So if you go to firewall, and take that as the last item. We'll just show, hey, here's how Heartbeat works. Uh, let's go to your testing lockdown. Scroll down. And we're going to do your synchronized security source Heartbeat green and just save it. Now, you had highlighted over that blocked clients with no Heartbeat. Uh, be careful if you guys do this. Printers don't have Heartbeats. IoT devices don't have Heartbeats. Devices that don't have Sophos on them yet don't have heartbeats. Still there, Steve? What on earth? Yep, I can hear you now. Yeah, so my my docking station just glitched out. Um, man, I can't wait to get a new docking station. It's on my list. Gotcha. So yeah, just careful with the heartbeats on there though. I mean, devices that don't have heartbeats will not be able to get out to the internet instantly the moment you select that. All right, so uh, I, I, was, I was joking around about my wife's uh, uh, Amazon Fire Stick. So that doesn't have a heartbeat because it doesn't have Sophos endpoint installed on it, correct? Correct. And it's, 
uh, it's either it either needs intercept X advanced or one of the endpoint uh, applications, right? Correct. So yeah, you're going to need intercept X advanced EDR, you know, or MTR when we release that. Uh, servers are going to need uh, the intercept X advanced on there to give you that synchronized security component on there. Perfect. So if you want to pull up that actual uh, computer now and just we'll, we can run through just a quick test on here now that we have a heartbeat and we have our Sophos installed on there. I'm so sorry. I was reading uh, some of these questions. What was, yeah, what did no you worries. ask me to do? Uh, pull up your workstation, the, the test workstation that we have in there. And if you just want to open, we got the web page uh, sitting there. We can just go out to anywhere. It doesn't matter. We're actually going to go to sophostest.com. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing because with zero context, you know, when I switched back over to this workstation and you saw what was in that yep. URL Lying bar. Fire, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're not going to click on anything just yet. If you can pull up a command, uh, command terminal. Uh, we're just going to do a constant ping out to let's you know, anywhere, just anywhere that's on the internet. You know, 8.8.8, CNN, whatever, as long as it pings back. All right, and just move that off the side and keep it running there. So scroll down, and we're going to find call home. Yep, and we're going to click on that. This is basically going to put you in a bad state. We've got a, if we go ahead and click on that, you can see you're already got disconnected. Yep. You are no longer on the internet uh, until this gets cleaned up. If you actually pull your endpoint up, you're in a red state. Yep. Oh, so wow. your computer is isolated, you know, without you doing anything. And if we were to go back to the firewall, hopefully catch it before it gets cleaned up on here. So you're offline, you're, you're done at this point. Mm -hmm. And if we go back to your control center, And right now we have one device at risk. And that device at risk is going to be your device. If I click on that, it... Uh, click back to control center. It looks like it's still loading everything. So yeah, that main page there, if we're doing a lot of stuff inside here, may take a minute as it's uh, going through and loading. You can see that little uh, symbol just going round and round and round there. Now, are there between the firewall and the software is it going to automatically fix the problem and unisolate the computer it depends on the threat uh, if the threat can be cleaned up then yes if the threat cannot be cleaned up uh, which i don't think that threat can be cleaned up automatically because we have a design that way so if we now that this page is loaded click on your at-risk computer we can see uh, a couple different options we're going to go through on here as soon as this decides to load, there's your at risk. Come on. And we can see your Steve Taylor machine here is currently in red. Uh, at the top here, you can see system, CPU, heartbeat, and there's ATP right next to it. Mm -hmm. Because we basically generated an ATP attack on there, click on ATP. And again, we can see one thing blocked on here. And what you would normally not see on a firewall, this was C Windows System 32, Microsoft Edge. So hmm. this was a call home attack, C2 generic call home attack. 
that was detected uh, on the, I believe A is on the actual endpoint. And then the firewall was notified and reported the block in there as well. So basically the two are sharing information and with that automatically went and blocked it. Huh. So we could go to that device right now. We can go uh, back into your computer. We can clean that alert and you'll be back online. If you tried getting to any other website, so before you clean that, um, we'd have to go to events to clean it. Um, oh, just try to go to scan. Yeah, it's fine. It'll start scanning. Um, don't hit resolve yet. Okay. Go to any other web page. Don't worry, I won't play with fire. Because <laughs> I just it just doesn't. Yeah. So we're not gonna be able to get anywhere. We're, we're offline. So let's go ahead and hit resolve. Because this isn't okay. something that's actually going to be able to clean up. And you'll see the firewall is automatically letting you back out. You're back to a green state. So your ping is back. Yeah, synchronized security working in action just like that. As soon as it's resolved, as soon as you're back online, you're ready to go. And now if we try to get out to our website, everything's back in business. And, you know, you guys... Um... Um, and I say you guys, I'm talking to you, you guys that are watching this, you could absolutely record your screen, kind of like what we're doing in this webinar, and, and create a little isolated uh, incident like what, what I just did here, where I'm, I'm using a, a virtual machine, and I'm not actually taking myself down in the webinar, right? But you could absolutely like record your screen and have a video made where you're showing clients and prospects exactly how this works. Um, this yep. is. And I put that sophostest.com in the uh, chat there for uh, everyone. Definitely a, a great site. Uh, it's easy way to test uh, web categories without going to dangerous websites um, on there. Uh, it also has that call home on there, which is also really good for, you know, hey, let's make sure we check this and make sure we're you know, the synchronized security is working. You know, we're generating now, a Now, so, okay, that computer went offline, right? It was isolated. Correct. But, like, what about, I'm, I'm a Screen Connect guy. Like, can I, can I get on it still? Nope. Uh, the SG firewall is blocking. So you would have to have a rule above your, uh, your policy on there to allow from your Screen Connect server into that workstation or from that workstation into Screen Connect. Because uh, right now that firewall policy is not allowed to be used. Got it. So if you guys are yeah. wanting access to things like that, you need to, you need to pre-plan for that. Uh, if the firewall is blocking it, then you're gonna have to do it on the firewall. You're gonna have to have it set up to where you're always allowed to get to uh, your website. So your website being you know, your screen connect or whatever else you use for remote tools on there. Uh, if you do. That also would include our RMM agent too then, right? Yep. Your RMM agent. If you want that checking in, you'll need to have a rule on there as well. You know, it's going to be coming from their LAN, going to the WAN, to your specific uh, IP address, where that's hosted at, if it's hosted in ConnectWise or wherever and getting that inside of there. So yes, that is definitely something to think about. If it hits that rule, we don't know that it's an RMM tool. We just block the traffic. It's not allowed, oh. the it's denied. If, um, I, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to process this and think it out loud and everything. All right, so Screen Connect. If I 
uh, wanted to figure out what port and all that stuff to, to allow with Screen Connect. Could I um, break the computer again, suppose, you know, supposedly break it, and then attempt Screen Connect and then look at my log to see what attempted? You could. The easier way would just be to go into your Screen Connect and determine what ports you've uh, used for access. Uh, you're gonna, it's inside of Screen Connect directly. Uh, you're going to know what ports. If you're using the defaults, uh, you can just put those in there. If you've changed it from the defaults, which most people do, uh, then you'll add those ports in. But yes, I mean, basically, you're going to be looking at a lot of data. So you may not know necessarily which one is Screen Connect because it's not going to come across as a web address. Okay. It's going to come across as network traffic. So you're going to be looking for, you're going to have to look for something very specific from that machine to your IP address and then look at the ports that are going to it. Okay, so out of curiosity, does anyone know the, the default port for Screen Connect to connect? Um, is it like 8040 is one that I'm seeing and then I'm seeing another one for 8041. Uh, the, I can watch the chat if you guys just want to pop it into there. Uh, if, if the computer is in lockdown mode, 8040 looks like the default. If, if the computer does get locked down, can I clean it from Sophos Central and fix the lockdown? Uh, in this case, for this one, no, you would not. You'd have to get onto the actual device itself because this one required manual cleanup. Uh, and we do that on purpose so that you can, if you didn't do that on purpose, then you'd have it go through and clean it within seconds and it'd be back online and it's very hard to demo. Uh, that one's designed to be manual cleanup. Uh, I've got other ones that take about five minutes before it actually runs through and does the cleanup of the ransomware on the device. But you'll actually see that whole process running. It's creating an event. It's creating a threat case. And then it's building that out. Once it's got it cleaned and everything removed, it brings the access back for you. Nothing you need to do at that point. Gotcha. So if I come in here to my firewall, I make a firewall rule. And this would be this would be business application rule, so I can let screen. Nope, this would be outbound. Remember, this is going from their device to because Screen Connect. The way they do it is Screen Connect is an agent that reaches out to that server and is constantly mm -hmm. checking in, checks to see if you needed access into it, and brings you into the system. So you're not pinholing anything into their system. So it's going to be an outbound rule, so a user slash network rule, because you're going to be going from the LAN to the WAN. And we're only seeing your machine still. I'm sorry, guys. So I'm switching that over here. So I'm making a new rule. I'm just calling it MSP tools. Yep. And, and you want to make sure you put it at the top because remember, top down. Thank you for the reminder. If you put and it at that, the bottom, it's going to not hit that rule. And then yep, this so would be application control. Nope, not application control. So this is all going to be in their source and destination. We're not going to use any of this advanced stuff down here. It's oh. going to be, where is it coming from? So this would be LAN, your local network, time of day, whatever. It's going out to the WAN. The destination is going to be your specific destination. So we would take any out of there because we don't want to do any or else it's just going to bypass your entire rule. So we'd have to create a new, an IP address. Well, I do it. I, yeah, my screen connects like this. Yep, that's fine. If you have your fully qualified, that's fine. Not HTTP, because that wouldn't be in there. Remember, not a website, fully qualified. 
Thank you. Oh, the the name screen. Page. You can leave the name the same. It's fine. Um, weird. And, and then I wonder, would I need to do this? No. Okay. Okay. So then I'll I'll add that there. And now at this point, it's on any port. You can leave it at any port, or you can leave go in and add a, a service on there for eighty forty if you know what yours is using. If not, just mm -hmm. go ahead and save. And this is going to be anything coming from the LAN going to Screen Connect is going to be allowed. Which also means I can then remotely access the machine. So when I come over here and do a new share to this desktop, and let's get Screen Connect installed. Copy URL. Run. And I don't know if you guys use uh, Screen Connect, any of you guys that are watching this, but I, I swear I saw an error the other day where like Windows was blocking the Screen Connect client. Uh, that's not one that I've seen. But I don't use Screen Connect that often anymore. I just use it to access my automate system. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, if you manage the firewall in central admin, can you manage it in the Sophos firewall manager or central? No. You can only manage in one location. You have three options. Pick one. I want to pick all of them. You can pick all of them, but every time you pick the other one, it's going to disable the other one. Darn it. <laughs> yeah, firewall right. can only be managed by one place at any given time. All right, so let's, uh, let's open up the command prompt here. I'm going to ping cnn.com again. I'll do a dash T, um, so that way you guys can see that I'm, I'm trying to do this legit. I'm going to hit call home. And it got angry. Uh, if I come in here, I'm going to attempt to connect to the machine from Screen Connect. Waiting for an available license. What if I close that? Well, that's adorable. Oh, we'll try that again. Right. It says I'm connected, but all I've got is a black screen. So we did something wrong. 
you know, there must be something going to like somewhere else on Screen Connect, maybe. Uh, it's possible. You'll definitely want to see what ports that they need open or what IP addresses or hosts they need open on there. Uh, you'll have to see what the you know video, what the remote control is actually using. The connectivity piece is there because it's connected. It's just not right. sending video across. And there's and there's so much. Yeah, you'd have to. You're gonna have to limit it to that specific IP. So you're gonna have to add a filter to just your IP address. And then you can add a, so that's going to be the destination IP address. You're going to want to do source IP address. And then we're going to be looking for what else is it going to or where else is it going to? And I don't know what those IPs are actually. So you can see the two that are allowed right there. So yeah. we've got you know, firewall rules that are allowed. These uh, are, the rest are now going to be denied. What, yeah. One 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 and eight 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 are are all DNS. Yep. Yeah, we have ICMP denied. That's insane. So so it's going to be a lot more than just allowing my um my domain so to you'll speak. have to get whatever you have to get with connectwise on what do they need open and i don't know well, oh you know what lowell said it's blocking dns because it needs to get to your fully qualified domain name that too yep that's why it's always good to use the uh, firewall itself as dns what do you guys know <laughs> all right so uh i'll come in here to dhcp on the firewall real quick and well, remember I'll, that's I'll, in a compromised state at this point. So unless you're going to put it back in there, if you're just I'll, wanting quick and easy, would be to go to your firewall rule and just allow uh, create a firewall rule to allow DNS to go out. Well, I, I just resolved it because I I feel like this should be set up right or something. Um, well, so that's yeah, that's DNS would point to your firewall. It's just not going to update on that particular firewall. Um, until it's actually back in a good clean state and we do an IP config refresh on there. Uh, select your DNS as well. So your DNS tab. And IP config renew DNS. Okay. And you've got those in there. So you've got it going to this one. And then I don't know what the other one is here. What's this local one? What no, are these two ones? Take those out of there. You don't know what those are. Well, I don't know what this is. I know what this is. Well, yeah, that one's Cloudflare. That's fine. Um, that one's internal, so I take that one out as well. Probably use you know eight 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 eight. Yep. And then apply. Okay. IP config slash all. It is using the. Um, the firewall as DNS now. And I'm going to go to that call home again. And I just got locked down. Um, now, I am, I did just get locked down. 
and I'm still remotely connected via, well, I think I'm still remotely connected via Screen Connect. It's honestly a little hard to tell. Yeah, it, it, it did lose a connection, even though I did get connected, but then it lost its connection again. So yeah, there's there's going to be a lot more troubleshooting that I think we're going to need to do. Yeah, so it's essentially going to be figuring out, and the best way to do that versus you just troubleshooting is getting with ConnectWise to figure out, you know, hey, besides my IP address here, besides this port, what else does ConnectWise reach out to? Because there is something else that it's reaching out to. Yes. And, and having them tell me exactly what their software is doing is going to be the easiest way than me trying to figure this out on my own. And let me tell you, you're going to waste a lot more time that you're not billing by trying to figure some of this stuff out. Yep. So I've got a few more minutes, but so one other thing you can do as far as a, uh, a troubleshooting step, because you know sometimes firewall logs are, and you guys have my troubleshooting guide, which has this in there as well. Uh, what you guys can do is actually there's a diagnostic section in there and there's actually a packet capture. Packet captures tend to be a little more informative on exactly what's going on, what's hitting what rule. Uh, it's a great troubleshooting tool if you wanted to dive in and take all the time versus just asking ConnectWise you know, what the deal is. Uh, but that's definitely something you guys can use. It uses the same sort of uh, BPF rules that you would have on Wireshark. Okay. So put the same information in, hey, this is the host I'm looking for. You can then start filtering out based on this, the destination I'm looking for, or I'm looking things on this port, you know, where is it going to? Perfect. Well, guys, uh, does anyone have any other questions? I'm gonna say strong maybe. Um, this, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but but when I start diving like deep into this stuff, like it really is like mentally draining for me. So I think I'm gonna go take a nap after this. And I thought you said we're all going to get a drink. We're, we can all go get a drink. Tell you what, you guys meet me here at uh, uh, Corkscrew Saloon in Medina at uh, 4.30 p.m. and I will buy everyone that, that was here at the webinar around, okay? No? Sounds good. Uh, I just flew back, so I don't know if I'll be there. Um, sure. One other thing that you guys can have, and uh, I'll put this in the chat, and we do have, again, our MSP YouTube page. So uh, when you're talking synchronized security that was being set up on there, uh, quick and easy way to get to a lot of that information that you know Steve's talking about on here. And you can you're, feel free to link this on your page as well, Steve. You know, I will. Uh, you know, it's our MSP. It's uh, myself and my team putting these together. So... Uh, it's going to be one of those components that you can go in and find quick and easy 15 minute videos on how to set up synchronized security with Sophos, uh, information on start to finish from the XG firewall. So a lot of good stuff. Steve, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the webinar. If you could just stick around for a, a couple quick minutes after that. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, for those of you that have missed any of this, um, feel free to uh, just go on to the MSP webinars YouTube channel. You can get to that by going to youtube.com slash MSP webinars. You'll see this video up there later today, along with, uh, gosh, over a hundred other videos now from the last couple of years. Um, 
check out mspwebinars.com. If you become a member, uh, I am launching peer groups here in the next couple of weeks to where uh, there's going to be six different groups that you can choose from to join. Uh, there's going to be about five to eight people in each group, and we're going to have the opportunity to to work with each other and solve problems for each other and help everyone grow. So ask me uh, offline. You can shoot me an email, steve at mspwebinars.com if you have any questions. And uh, thanks again to Steve. I am so, so thankful that, that you took some time out to do this. This was fun, man. Yeah, um, no problem. Anytime. All right. For those of you watching this live, thank you so much. Take care.